Wow, it's already the end of March 2021. Can you believe it's already been over a year since this whole pandemic started? I hope you're all doing well and staying safe out there. Welcome back to the swamp, my friends. It's good to see you made it back for another video. Today, I'm going to be sharing some creepy and allegedly true scary stories sent in to me in the month of March. Now, when I do these videos, normally it's different stories. It's not the typical nature stories or creepy cryptid stories. These stories are more revolved around creepy people and creepy events in everyday life. If you have a creepy encounter with somebody that you'd like to share, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. Now, without further hesitation, let's get into these creepy and allegedly true horror stories sent in by viewers just like you. I'm telling this story on behalf of my friend who experienced this traumatic incident. It will be told from his perspective. Also, I apologize in advance since English is not my first language. First, to provide some background, I'm a 21-year-old guy, and I live in what I like to call medical housing. Basically, in this little village I live in, you either must be retired or have health problems like I do, but at the same time, you must be able to be somewhat self-sufficient. Each resident has their own cottage. The layout of the cottage can either be one bedroom or two bedrooms. Mine was a one bedroom. As soon as you walk into the cottage, you walk into the living room, and then the dining room is on the right, and in the dining room there is a way to the back porch. Then there is a kitchen, a small hallway in the living room that leads to the bathroom and the bedroom. There is a closet in the living room by the front door, another closet in the bedroom, then there is a huge walk-in closet in the bedroom as well. This is just the layout of my specific cottage. Each cottage is different. Now, on to the story. This incident took place two weeks ago. While I was at social hour with a few of my fellow residents at the village, a couple of them were mentioning how they were getting knocks on the door at night and on the windows. One resident claimed that someone even tried to twist the doorknob on her front door, but luckily it was nighttime when this took place, and it was locked. We all just thought it was just a couple of kids being little delinquents, since we were not too far from another neighborhood. We just assumed that the person was just messing around. Our village did not have a whole lot of security because at the time we did not feel very many disturbances. We didn't really think that we needed it, being so tucked away in a safe area. Fast forward a few days. I had to go to physical therapy, and I must have forgotten to lock my front door or my back porch door which again, due to how safe the area usually is, I did not worry too much about. Even during this pandemic, the village is very vibrant. You often see a bunch of residents walking around and talking to one another, since we are such a tight-knit community. So usually, if someone tried to sneak in that should not be there, someone would catch on. When I got home from physical therapy, I was extremely tired, and I took a long nap. I woke up to my neighbor from across the street coming in to help me get set up on all my machines, such as my feeding machine and my breathing equipment for the night. Her name is Vicky. She is an overly sweet, compassionate, and motherly person. Before her and her husband retired, she used to be a nurse and her husband Frank used to be a police officer. I got to know them well since Vicky helped me become Catholic two years prior. During the day, we have staff that come help us 
with our basic needs if we need it, such as getting to and from our bathroom and bed safely. They're not trained with medical training that I need, but a lot of the residents that I know that live here used to be nurses before they retired. We made it a little routine in our little village that for some of the residents like me who are not retired but younger with health problems, the more able-bodied retired residents if they used to be nurses would go help the residents that have health problems with their medical care since they have years of medical experience under their belt. I was waking up from my nap when Vicky said, Hey sweetheart, I'm here to do the care for you. Before she could finish her sentence, she paused while she was grabbing the IV bag for the night. Then, out of nowhere, she went over to my furnace and turned on my heat, but she didn't really twist the dial and she said, That's strange, your heat's not working. It's supposed to be a cold night tonight, and we cannot have you sleeping without any heat due to your health. Why don't you come stay at my cottage for the night until maintenance comes and fix your heat in the morning? I was very groggy from being tired and doing lots of work at physical therapy that I did not think twice about what she said until I saw the look on her face. She used to be in a theater group when she was in college, and since I grew up in theater groups as well, I could tell when someone was acting, and even though she was a good actor, I could tell something was going on. She was pretending that my heat was not working. I was nervous and wondering what was going on, but I just went along with it. All my medical supplies that I would need for the night were right next to my travel suitcase that would fit all my supplies and my feeding pump was on my IV pole, my oxygen tank was on wheels, and my BiPAP could easily be packed into my travel suitcase. She got everything packed up quickly, and she helped me get up and walk to my front door, and I could tell she was going a little fast, but I was too tired to say anything. While she was walking me out of the house, I heard something come from my walk-in closet and I assumed it was just the cat using his litter box or something. Due to my health problems and my breathing, it's really not good if I get scared. I could stop breathing altogether. The reason why I say this is because when she got me in the house and as Frank was getting the extra bed set up for me, she explained to me that when she was grabbing an IV bag from where I keep them, since it was right next to the walk-in closet, she caught a glimpse of someone crouching in my closet and she had to pretend that my heater was not working. I felt like I was going to throw up, because for all I know, that person could have been in there the entire time I was at physical therapy, or they could have made their way in there while I was taking a nap. The sense of serenity I had at that village was temporarily gone. Vicky could tell I was disturbed by this, so she gave me a hug and said, Don't be scared. Frank and I will be here with you all night. I wish I could say this was the end of the story, but it is not. After Vicky got me ready for the night and while I was sleeping, I woke up to hearing tapping on the spare bedroom window and lo and behold, I saw the person that Vicky was talking about who was hiding in my closet. It was a man. I do not know how tall he was, but from my guess he was probably six feet tall, maybe a little under. He literally tapped on the window and said, I see you awake in there and I'm coming in one way or another. I called for Vicky and she woke up right away and said a concerned, Frank, get your gun now. Even though he's retired, Frank is still an intimidating guy, even without the gun, and both him and Vicky were rushing in the room. Since I could not get up on my own due to me being hooked up to my machines, I was beyond scared because I really could not defend myself. As soon as they both came in, Frank pointed his gun at the lunatic who was still at the window. Frank said, Get off my property before I blow your freaking brains out, you nutcase. As Frank was threatening the crazy person at the other side of the window, Vicky was helping me get up and both her and I went and hid in the walk-in closet in the master bedroom. She locked the door to the master bedroom. Because I was starting to get really scared, it was starting to affect my breathing and even though I was still hooked up to my oxygen, 
Due to how scared I was, there was a risk that I could stop breathing out of nowhere due to me being really scared. When I was having trouble breathing, Vicky said, Honey, I know you're scared, but I need you to do some nice and easy breathing. A few minutes later, there was a knocking at the master bedroom door. Vicky asked who it was and it was Frank. As soon as she went and opened the door, Frank came rushing in and told her to call the police because the guy was not just tapping on the window now, he was literally banging. Vicky called the police and luckily, since they do drive-bys at the village quite frequently, a cop car was not far away. When they came, they found cracks in her window in the spare bedroom, but unfortunately, they did not find the guy. The police asked if I could give them a statement on what went on, but Vicky told them that would not be possible because of my breathing. I was practically traumatized. I was so scared. So Frank gave my statement on behalf of me. Due to the cracks on the window and me being beyond shaken up, there was no way I was sleeping in that spare bedroom. And now my breathing had to be watched carefully throughout the night. Frank slept in the spare bedroom that night while Vicky and I slept in the master. I was a bit more comforted there. The police got in contact with the staff at the office the next day regarding what happened, and ever since this incident, the staff has hired overnight security guards and day security. They are working on raising enough money to set up a gate to block people from coming in that should not be there. A few days after this, Frank installed security cameras and alarms in my cottage, and in his as well. Now, I always make sure I lock my door when I'm going out, when I'm taking a nap, and at night. This is currently happening, and I'm not sure what to do about it. There is this girl at my job, Amy. She seemed like a sweet girl and fun to talk to. Also extremely cute. We became work friends. I would look forward to chatting with her at work. Nothing major. We exchanged numbers and texted occasionally. Funny memes, pet photos, etc. Then it escalated a little bit. Amy started flirting with me, so I flirted back. We would send each other selfies on Snapchat and she started sending me slightly risque photos. It was nothing nude but obvious flirting, you know? She said she thinks I'm cute and she has a little crush on me. Well, I was having fun until I realized that Amy has a boyfriend. Because he messaged me informing me he is her boyfriend as well as a barrage of insults. He called me all kinds of stuff. He bets I'm ugly compared to him, that she's just using me for validation, that they played me, and they make fun of me together, and how ugly and stupid I am, etc. He told me to leave her alone, calling me a dirty n-word, like the racial slur, but I don't know why, because I am white. So, I said, I'm sorry man, I didn't realize, I'll back off. Even though she initiated it, and I had no idea she had a boyfriend, but whatever. I blocked her and everything and avoided her at work. Despite this, he started contacting me from fake numbers constantly, just insulting me. Psychotic rants that would switch from begging, please man, don't do it, please don't sleep with her, to screw you man, I hope you die in a fire. Like, out of nowhere. I told him again that I, I do not want anything to do with her anymore and that I blocked her and that he needs to stop bugging me. You would think that would be over, but no. Amy contacted me yet again. She made a second Instagram account, found me, and started messaging me, wanting to have sex. I was like, no, I'm staying far away from you. Bye. And I blocked her. Somehow, her boyfriend found out because he called me from a blocked number and screamed slurs into the phone. The slurs made zero sense, as he used terms for Jewish people, Mexican people, and black people. Like I said, I'm white, so I don't really understand a lot of these slurs, but I know they're bad and I don't want to repeat them at all. They're honestly just disgusting. 
He sounded like a 13-year-old trying to think of every slur and swear word to use. There sounded like there was a struggle in the background and he hung up. He called back repeatedly screaming into the phone calling me ugly and more slurs. I heard smashing glass and other noises like there was a physical fight going on. I should have called the cops, but I did not because it's not my business. Again, I thought that would be the end of it. Amy started ignoring me altogether, then she started calling me gay and all kinds of other stuff and said that she was woke as hell compared to me and that I'm a loser. I keep getting requests on Instagram from obviously fake accounts. He has texted me even more fake numbers at odd hours. Texting calls are one thing, but I've gotten a little scared because for the past five or so nights, I keep seeing the same old red car parking in the back of my work parking lot, facing the window to the restaurant, just sitting there for a couple of hours every single day. I think it's the guy stalking me at work. I'm getting paranoid about my safety. I can hold my own, but some people are just unstable, and you never know who you are dealing with. He has not made any outright threats though, so I feel like I cannot do anything as far as reporting him. I am considering telling my manager at work, but I don't think they will care. Perhaps they might even blame me. I am literally considering quitting my job. It is just a restaurant gig because of these actions. It is super creepy. I do not know why I triggered this guy so much. It is so stupid because it's obviously not my fault. This is Amy and her boyfriend's fault. You would think that they are in high school, but we're all in our mid to late 20s. This scary is less scary and more unnerving. I work in a Waffle House as a waitress right next to a big city. We have this regular customer, a bigger man, who was missing an eye due to health issues and beyond his golden years. He came in around two or three times a week after his dialysis treatments and would always tell stories of a woman he knew. He always called her Tiffany. I thought the stories were tales of an old bored man and nothing more, but the moment she walked in, I knew it was all true. He would tell me how he and this woman had been friends at first, but then she turned to meth, completely losing herself and her mental health. He was going to leave the friendship, but her daughter had grown attached to him and he had grown attached to her. This woman, through the next four years, would falsely accuse him of crimes and call the police and every time the cops would arrest her instead. She would disappear and return at random times. One time, the regular, who we will call Quinn, bought her four-year-old a simple phone in case she ever needed to contact him, but Tiffany ended up taking the phone and using it. He would also tell me the numerous times that Tiffany would try and get her kids back since they were taken out of her custody by the state. Every time Tiffany would do the first step and then never follow through, she always returned to drugs. Tiffany not only had a daughter, but she also had a son who was a bit older. He was about nine years old. He lived with her parents. Like I said, at first, I thought this was just an old man who just wanted to tell stories in his old years, but on that Wednesday night, everything he said was proven true. Quinn got numerous calls throughout his time sitting in his seat, and after a while, I looked at the caller ID. It said Lulu Bear, Tiffany's daughter. I wondered why he ignored it, but he told me he knew it was Tiffany. I understood and went back to listening to his tales. Then he finally answered the phone after 18 calls and 25 texts. I did not even listen as new customers had come in and I went to serve them. When I returned, he set down the phone and told me I was going to meet Tiffany. I was intrigued. I knew she was a real person and I really wanted to meet her as every time he came, I would hear more and more about her. She was taking the bus from the neighboring state over, but she was near the border, 
so it only took about 35 minutes. When she finally arrived and I saw her state, that is when it hit me that every word he had said had been true. She was around 5'5", 155 pounds. She had long stringy black hair that was in a big messy bun covered by a dirty blue hat. She wore stained light brown jeans and a tight fitting blue jacket. She was pale and her eyes were sunken in. She had a large bag and a baby stroller full of stuff sitting next to Quinn's truck. For context, I am 17 years old and female, but I am always told that I look to be between ages of 20 and 25. At first, she said hi and told me her name was something other than what Quinn was already telling me, and when he called her out, she argued with him. I internally laughed and I was glad to mask my smile. Then she turned to me. This is how the brief exchange went. Can I get a coffee? Yeah, sure. Unless it's weird. I don't want it to be weird. Oh, no, it, it's okay. I don't want it if you're going to spit in it. I was caught off guard. She continued to insist I was going to spit in it, but I assured her I was not going to do so. I made sure to pour the coffee in front of her and put the lid on it in front of her. She seemed at ease now that she knew I had not sabotaged her coffee. She then began to ask me questions about how I felt about Quinn and going on long rants about his medical problems. I knew about some, but she told me they were going to amputate his leg. He tried to correct her saying that he was getting it checked out, which I later found out that his ankle was broken. Once she got settled with her coffee, Quinn asked where the bus dropped her off and she refused to tell him. He asked why she said she did not want to implicate the bus driver in anything. I was confused. Implicate him in what? Quinn continued to ask, but she gave the same response every time, adding in later that he dropped her off like a normal person. This was one of those buses that had a variety of stops around the same area. Once we got off the topic of the bus, she continued to ask me questions, which some I answered honestly and others not. She asked if I knew someone who could weld. I said yes, my long-term boyfriend. She wanted him to weld a peg leg for Quinn because of the supposed amputation. I humored her and said I would ask. She then asked me if I liked kids and I said yes. What she asked me next completely threw me for a loop. Take my kid. Um, what? You mean like babysit? I had babysat before and everyone told me that I had that appearance, so it was not an uncommon question. No, become his foster mom. I stared at her, mind boggled. I informed her I was only 17 and would not turn 18 until November of this year. She continued to ask and tell me how sweet he was. I let her know when I turned 18, I would consider it. This was a lie, but I wanted to appease her. It seemed to work, but the weirdness did not stop there. She asked me to promise her to go into early childhood development when I went to college, and once again, just to soothe her methed out mind, I said I would do it as a minor in college. She asked what I wanted my major to be, and I informed her I wanted to go to culinary school and become a baker and pastry chef. We talked a little bit about desserts, and then she went outside. I was hoping that it was over. Not more than five minutes later, she returned. We got back into the topic of kids. She asked me if I had any, and I said no. She asked if I wanted any, and I said yes in the future. She immediately told me I should get pregnant right now because it would make my mom happy. I know that no one reading this knows my family, but if I got pregnant while I was still in high school, I would not be able to see my graduation. I told her that would not be happening for two reasons. One is that I was too young, not shaming any young moms out there, but I just did not believe in doing that deed until I was married. I also believed that everyone had their own choice, so I did not care what anyone else did with their life, but I personally wanted to wait. 
She continued to insist I should get pregnant, and once again, I told her I wanted to wait. She then surprised me with her questions once again. Oh, is your boyfriend bad in bed? Is he paraplegic? I could not answer the first question, and the second question was not true. I told her no and she accused me of being impure because she thought I used birth control. I do not and never have, but it was also none of her business. I told her I was not and she then called me pure, the perfect girl for fertilization. This creeped me out. As the shift was ending and the other workers came in, I finished up my end of shift duties and Quinn and Tiffany left. I left about 20 minutes after they did, but when I walked outside his truck was still there. Side note. Working at a Waffle House, I learned to always have my keys ready to get into my car. Anyways, I heard arguing and saw Quinn sitting in his truck while Tiffany yelled at him as she held onto her baby stroller full of stuff. I did not stare but merely glanced. When I did, she looked at me. I honestly thought she was going to come to me and ask for a ride, so I ran faster to my car and locked the doors as soon as I closed them. I drove home and told my mom who just laughed and told me. I was right about how she would react if I did get pregnant. In the end, it was something to laugh at, but it was still creepy, and it's something that I never want to experience ever again. So, be wary out there when you're working. Don't be too trusting, and definitely watch out for the meffed out people. This story will be told from the point of view of my old roommate. This event happened shortly after we moved out and went our separate ways and still gives me chills to this day. I began moving into my new one-bedroom apartment with my boyfriend the day after the old lease ended. My apartment was small in size and on the bottom floor. There was a window in the bedroom that faces the outside walkway and the front door to our apartment. I spent the whole day carrying boxes from my boyfriend's truck to the apartment. I noticed a dirty-looking man in a rusty, beat-up red Toyota staring at us while we moved each box. He looked to be about 40 years old or so, had round glasses with a very thin frame. His hair was stringy and thinning at the top, and looked as if he had once been white, but yellowed due to lack of cleanliness. I wouldn't have given his gaze much thought, except he had been sitting in his car for nearly two hours now. He didn't seem to be waiting for anyone, just was staring at us moving his head to keep his gaze as we moved from the truck to our building. I told my boyfriend and he just shrugged it off, telling me that maybe he was just a neighbor trying to see who moved in. We just ignored the man and finished unloading boxes before settling in for the night. Fast forward to the next night. My boyfriend and I had unpacked most of the kitchen, so we were having a late dinner and ended up drinking some wine. It was around 12.30am and we were just talking and hanging out when we heard a slight tap on the window. It was strange. It wasn't as if someone were knocking on it, but more like if someone had accidentally hit it with an object of some sort. I peeked through the blinds to find nothing but darkness outside. Without giving it a second thought, my boyfriend and I finished up our dinner and wine, turned out the lights, and went to bed. We awoke around 2am to a soft knock on the door. My boyfriend, very tired and very irritated, got up from the bed to go check the peephole to see who could possibly be outside trying to reach us at such a late hour. He looked through the peephole to find a man standing outside the door, staring directly into the peephole. He sneakily made his way back to our room, carefully trying to not make any sound so whoever it was outside could not hear the movement within the apartment. He went up to me and shook my leg a bit, whispering that there was some creepy old man outside the door, just staring at it. I awoke immediately and slowly went to the window to see who it was. The blinds are raised about only an inch or so, 
so I tried to identify the man using the small sliver of window that was exposed. I saw a hand tapping on the window, tapping as if he was patiently waiting for someone to open the door for him. I froze in fear and waited. We heard the man turn around and leave. My boyfriend checked the front door to confirm that he wasn't outside our door anymore, as I was terrified to even peek out the window. We were so bugged out that we didn't even end up sleeping much for the rest of the night. The next day, we were really anxious and worried about the situation, so we spoke with our front office and tried to explain what happened. The front office basically tried to play it off as someone who was lost, and maybe they just found the wrong apartment or something. It wasn't that big of a deal, and we just needed to not worry about it. They said if it happened again to try to identify the person or talk to them to see what they wanted. Great advice, right? Later that night, we left the front porch light on to feel a bit more safe. We locked all the doors and windows and cuddled in bed with the lights off while watching some TV show on low volume. Eventually, we drifted off to sleep. I awoke around 2.20am to my boyfriend tapping me and whispering, He's back. White-eyed with fear. I let out a small gasp. My boyfriend handed me a small pistol and said, Don't shoot unless you need to, and left the room. I was completely terrified, confused, and worried at this point. I decided to try to see who this creep was. I once again looked through the small sliver of window that was showing, but could only see their bottom half. I made my way to the front door where my boyfriend was, his face glued to the peephole. I asked if I could take a look and instantly I could make out who it was. I saw the yellowed, thinning hair and the glasses. It was the same man who was watching us move in a few days ago. I took a step back and began to silently freak out. I was completely terrified at this point. We heard the man silently knock again on the door. He leaned in real close to the peephole, startling my boyfriend and causing him to let out a small gasp. The man leaned back, turned around, and immediately walked upstairs. We waited. We never saw him come back down. We never heard movement in the upstairs apartment either. Frightened, we went back to bed and didn't sleep until the sun came. As soon as the office opened, we went in to report the incident and one of the leasing managers looked distressed. She went on to tell them that this was the fifth report on similar incidents made by multiple tenants throughout the apartment complex. She told us that they were looking into it to find out who this person was. For about a week we heard nothing, but no one came to the door during the dark hours of the night. We began to get back into our normal routine and paid no mind to the weirdness that we had experienced. About three weeks after the last incident, we received a call from the front office. Apparently, there was a disturbed tenant that lived in the complex that had always had really random and weird complaints about him. He was an older man, apparently had some issues in his past. They were calling to let us know that he was the one who had been randomly knocking on doors and sneaking around multiple buildings in the complex. They said he had been evicted due to his behavior and that we wouldn't have to deal with it again. They apologized, then hung up, and that was that. We never heard weird noises or saw his car in the parking lot after that. We continued to live out the rest of our lease and eventually moved out to a nicer apartment complex across town. It's always stuck with me though. I always get skittish during the nights and would check the windows multiple times before bed. I think the strangest thing to me was that the building we lived in wasn't even really close to the one that he apparently resided in. He had watched us move in and decided that's who we wanted to creep on in the middle of the night. If there's one thing that I learned, it's to listen to that gut feeling inside of you. Always be aware of your surroundings and be careful who is paying attention to you.
Thanks for listening to these creepy and allegedly true horror stories sent in by viewers in the month of March. I know these aren't the typical stories I read on this channel, but it is nice to get away and do something new every so often. If you enjoyed these stories, please be sure to hit that like button, as it helps me out a ton in the YouTube algorithm. The more likes it gets, the more YouTube promotes it. If you're listening on iTunes or another podcast platform, please give this a 5-star rating, as it helps me out a ton. If you're new to the swamp, why not join us? Hit the subscribe button and turn on notifications to never miss a new video, as I upload them almost every single day, and all things natural and supernatural. As always, if you have a story that you would like to share in a future video, be sure to submit it at swampdweller.net or the email you can find in the description down below. I'd love to share your story with everyone here in the swamp. It's stories like yours that help keep this show going on a daily basis. I'd love to know in the comments down below what story was your favorite tonight. I don't know if I can pick just one, but that first and fourth story are some pretty creepy ones. There's just something about people being extremely creepy, but not exactly trying to burglarize you that just, that just unsettles me to the core. If you guys are on the go and don't have YouTube Premium, but still want to listen to your favorite Swamp Dweller scary stories wherever you go, you can download them absolutely free from iTunes, Spotify, Audible, and just about everywhere else you find your favorite podcast online. And like I said, it's absolutely free to do so. While you're over there, definitely give the show a 5-star rating on iTunes as it helps us a ton. If you want to support the Swamp outside of doing those things, maybe check out the merch store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, face masks, and more. I'd love to see you guys in some cool Swamp threads. As always, I'm always looking for new stories, looking for new topics, and other things to cover. If you have a suggestion, a story, or something that you'd just like to contact me about, be sure to contact me at swampdweller.net. I'll see you guys soon with another creepy video.